welcome to the Intuitive Insights podcast series. I'm Nina Lockwood, founder and director of Intuitive Interim and Executive Search. Throughout this series, I will be sharing engaging conversations with talented leaders from across the UK transport sector. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Intuitive Insights podcast with me, Nina Lockwood, and my guest, Ben Millway, Finance and Business Systems Director from MTR Elizabeth Line. Ben takes us through his career to date and shares his views on the opportunities ahead of us for the UK rail industry. Please enjoy. Ben Millway, Finance and Business Systems Director for MTR Elizabeth Line. A huge and very warm welcome to the Intuitive Insights podcast. It's a delight to have you here. Thank you for joining us. And I think I'm correct in saying that you have the honour of being the first person with finance and business systems to appear on the podcast. So, oh, great. I hope I um, did the country profession proud. Absolutely. I'm confident you will. So we, in time-honoured fashion, Ben, we, we know that our Intuitive Insights audience really enjoys hearing about the senior people in our industry, mm. how you got to where you currently are today, what was that journey? So what's been the journey so far? And uh, and I would love to know what a finance and business systems director does all day. So if I can ask you to take us right back to the beginning of your career and give us a whistle-stop tour through uh, where you came from Absolutely. and where you've been, that would be brilliant. Thank you. No, brilliant. Thanks, Nina. Um, so I was very lucky in that before I started um, a career in finance, I had five years working as a jobbing musician, um, so five years working as a freelancer, um, doing weddings, doing bar mitzvahs, kind of playing any gig that paid, a bit of teaching, and um, it was a fantastic training ground. I mean, five years of kind of freelance work, it gives you a real appreciation of salary, of security, of weekends, of holidays, um, and don't get me wrong, it was brilliant. I had a fantastic time, I got to go on tour, got to kind of play in bands, got to make music for a living so it's fantastic um but also after five years I realized that that wasn't the lifestyle I wanted um so kind of took the lessons from that but realized that I'm I'm a drummer so playing drums for a living although fantastic um actually I wanted to do something else and um and keep playing drums keep having that but have something else as my own profession um so I was very fortunate after five years of making music for a living I got a place on the network rail graduate scheme and network rail is a fantastic training ground. I mean, I recommend it to anybody. The apprentice schemes, the graduate schemes, they really invest in people, mm. like bringing them in. Um, people from a very diverse range of backgrounds, different ages, um, but yeah, bringing people into the organisation and training them really well, giving them great exposure, great experience, excellent mentors, um, and a chance to really grow, develop, and ultimately huge opportunities afterwards for having a great career. So I was very fortunate to join the Network Rail Finance Graduate Scheme. Right, um, okay. And so um, there's, there's some really great alumni from the scheme kind of all over the rail industry now. Yeah. Um, and lots of the Network Rail, some have spread into other industries, but um, had a fantastic couple of years kind of doing that graduate scheme. They put you for your accountancy training very quickly. So you kind of get that fundamental done, sorted, um, and also get a chance to experience the whole organisation. So you get a chance to kind of work on the front line. You get a chance to kind of work on the front line of finance too, which in the yeah. finance world is accounts payable, where you're kind of processing invoices. Um, a chance to meet very senior leadership um, and the CFO. So, so Jeremy Westlake now, previously Patrick Butcher, they're very kind of engaged in the scheme, kind of helping, supporting, challenging. Um, and it yeah, kind of gives you a fantastic opportunity and ability to get really well established in the organization. had an absolutely fantastic time, met some brilliant people. Um, and then fortunate, again, kind of following the scheme to move into kind of HQ level roles. So yeah. you get a chance to kind of go straight into seeing the whole organisation, getting a feel for how it all fits together. I guess we all know the railway is a pretty complex um, organisation, set up of organisations. Um, so being able to work in HQ role, um, being able to kind of, at that point, it was in the maintenance function. So back when Network Rail, pre-devolution, when it was um, Steve Featherston, one big maintenance organisation, and of working in a kind of group consolidation role there, it gives you a chance to get a real look and feel for the industry. 
um, and for how the various bits of it bolt together. So yeah, very fortunate. Um, I then moved into frontline roles. So my first kind of, I guess the place where I really earned my spurs. Um, <laughs> so Senator Whale, the kind of maintenance organisation, the kind of finance support for that um, is in the delivery units. So the functions of the organisation that kind of are on the, the real frontline delivery maintenance day in, day out and being a finance support for those organisations, you get a chance to be part of a really amazing team. Mm. And those, those teams kind of every night, uh, and the, the delivery unit I was part of is in Houston. So every night, the Houston team kind of going out and making sure the West Coast mainline operated well the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and being their kind of finance support to try and help them make the best decisions possible to use their limited funds, to get the best outcomes, to support their teams, to get the right choices around headcount and choices around which contractors and equipment to use so a fantastic opportunity to work on the front line um, and get a real feel for how the railway works kind of practically mm. kind of what the actual things that need to go on to make sure the service is ready to operate the next day yeah um, I guess within that role I also got a chance to go outside kind of don my orange my blue hat and kind of go out with right. the teams on the ground and see what's going on get a feel for the actual maintenance tasks they do um, go and see the high output ballast train doing its thing, ripping up tracks, relaying track, um, and get a feel for where the money goes ultimately. Yeah. I guess as an industry, spend a lot of money. Yeah. Um, being able to see and picture what the activity entails, I think for anybody who wants a career in finance, understanding the business fundamentals. Um, so quite fortunate after that role working in finance, uh, working in the front line, um, Again, Network Rail is a fascinating organisation to work for because it's constantly in change, constantly mm-hmm. being reorged, and that always presents opportunity. Yeah. And I was very lucky then to kind of have my role broadened, to look after operations too, to work with signalers, to get a feel for how kind of operations part of the organisation fits together. Um, and then eventually, at the beginning of CP5, I moved across to the Anglia route where I took my first financial controller role. Right. And that was a real kind of... Um, again, quite a formative period for me, kind of moving from being a business partner to financial controller, you suddenly have a lot more accountability and you're signing the books yeah. off, the buck stops with you in terms of the finances. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah, a brilliant experience. Um, it also gave me a great insight into um, what happens when the plan goes wrong in terms of when I moved to Anglia, it was the first day of CP5. Yeah. And for those of you who have the history of network rail, history of the control periods, CP5, the plan, had some fundamental challenges in it, some a big push for efficiency and in many areas unachievable. So moving into an organization with a, with a plan that from day dot um, wasn't deliverable. Again, huge learning curve, very yeah. formative, great chance to understand how you go through that strategic process of changing a plan and and, and developing, yeah, a revised, revised plan for control period. Mm. That scares the so, yeah, so following for. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 and it's in those moments you learn the most, don't you? Those moments where kind of you realise actually the, the kind of way we thought we were going to operate is not going to work. Yeah, so a year of do. kind of yeah, I agree. Recalibration, replanning, um, and then it's, it's a big organisation as well for taking people with you on the journey. We say this is what we thought we were going to be doing. Actually, yeah. we've got to change some of our aspirations, some of our plans, and we're going to just go off in this direction instead. Um, and that wasn't just in Anglia. I mean, across the whole organisation, the Great West of Electrification was kind of the most notable area in which costs were very different to what was assumed in the plan. But yeah. all of those changes meant complete rewrite of the plan and a control period with lots and lots of change in it. But yeah. for me personally, brilliant. Loads of learning, loads of chance Huge to get stuck learning. into new stuff. That's it. I think when everybody, when everything's going right, it's it's great, yeah. isn't it? It's a lovely feeling mm-hmm. for however long it lasts. But it's it's actually on reflection when you look back and you think, yeah. do you know what the the areas, the times when I learned the most, certainly from my own perspective, the times when I learned the most yeah. about finance is when things get really squeaky, you know. And it's yeah. kind of right. You've got you've got a you've, you've got to rob Peter to pay Paul. You've got to cut your cloth accordingly. And as you've said, you've got to bring people with you as well, um, and also kind of keep your own head up because it's a massive challenge. It's huge, isn't it? Mm kind of numbers you must have been dealing with as well at that point huge absolutely and network rail is kind of unique in that very early on in your career you get to deal with some massive numbers mm. you get to deal with kind of hundreds of millions of pounds very quickly and I, you don't get that exposure in most of organizations so you're very lucky 
And I got to work with some brilliant people. So yeah. people like Richard Schofield, who's I subsequently work with again now. He's over right. at MTR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people like Melia Dumas, who's currently the regional FD for, for the Eastern region in Network Rail. So some brilliant people who, um, who really kind of helped me grow through that period. Um, and, and following that kind of period of growth, I was very lucky in, in that, um, well, so Richard left, Richard Schofield left Network Rail. Melia Dumas stepped up and I got a chance to cover the finance, my first finance director role for a year. Right. Which again, brilliant learning opportunity, great chance to kind of take that next level of accountability um, and also be very um, involved in creating the CP6 plan. Having lived through a very challenging CP5, it was really satisfying to be able to take those lessons learned, that knowledge, the kind of pain we've been through yeah. and flow it into a much, um, well, a plan which we could really see line of sight of how we're going to deliver and kind of ownership from creating the plan through to delivering it so that was really satisfying to be part of that journey mm. um following that so that I, in that part of my career i've been very involved in the kind of operations and maintenance part of the industry which yeah. again fascinating part of the industry there's a whole other half of it i hadn't really got my teeth stuck into and that's the um big capital projects so the huge right. renewals enhancements the right. industry does kind of spending billions of pounds a year um so i was fortunate at that point that, um I got an opportunity to go and work um, in Birmingham. So um, I started one of the kind of, I say crazy railway commutes, but they're quite common in the railway. People who undertake fairly crazy journeys on a daily basis. So each day I was commuting from London to Birmingham and back again. So right. I'd, I'd be up on the first train at Houston, um, shooting up the West Coast main line. Um, and again, fantastic opportunity to be the finance director for the IP central area of network rail. Right. So amazing portfolio of projects yeah. getting to support hst or network works east west rail kind of a massive domestic portfolio of renewals kind of the tail end of electrification in the northwest really yeah, fascinating portfolio and a great learning curve for me again yeah. um all who you may know he's a kind of delivery director but yeah a great chance to um to get involved in a new part of the organization to broaden my knowledge of, of people as well because ultimately right. having worked in the south of the company like again network rail kind of People tend to spend their whole career in certain areas, so a chance yes. to kind of move across and, and meet the um, well, London Northwest, Northwest and Central community, um, which again, brilliant opportunity. Um, I then followed that with another stint back in Anglia as finance director. Um, I've got a, uh, a fairly young family, so it was a great opportunity right. then when the third baby arrived to come back to, to London and be a bit close to home to kind of yes. balance the... Um, yeah, looking after the family plus looking after the career. And, um, and I was very lucky, actually, I got to work compressed hours. So actually got to be a bit of a kind of hands-on father as well, working four days a week. And that oh, will be wow. again. Right, but okay. Brilliant in supporting that sort of um, the ability to work compressed hours, the ability to balance family life and home life. Yeah, so yeah working compressed hours. I'd recommend it to anybody, uh, especially when the kids are young, it's been a brilliant opportunity to really kind of play a very active role in their lives. Fantastic. Um, whilst also doing a job I get lots of um yeah lots of fun out of yeah how long ago was that Ben how when when were you doing that like the compressed hours so um, three years ago right it's quite yeah. it's it's quite it's still very unusual to hear and I do you know I know I know a number of people who do it but it's I think yeah. because we've all now been through this oh gosh you know you don't have to work uh, five days a week from nine till five thirty, or whatever your hours you know normal hours would be um and so it's quite interesting to hear that this was this kind of stuff is going on it's it's happening in many different organizations but we just don't hear about it and also we don't hear about it as much from fathers we're more likely to hear about it from mothers it's brilliant to hear that that was available to you and obviously that you've took full advantage of it fantastic Absolutely. And Network Rail is, is very good in that regard. They've got a really kind of straightforward policy, kind of real incentive for line managers to do the right thing by their staff. And they recognise the benefits you get from it, mm. getting engaged teams, productive teams. Yeah. And as you say, I really hope that this new move to a hybrid way of working promotes it even further because there's yeah. massive opportunities for fathers and mothers to get the right balance between home, life and work life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. Sorry, I stopped doing your flow then. Just no, no, it's fine. Um, just to kind of bring up to the latest part. So after a couple of years um, as Anglia Finance Director, um, the opportunity arose to kind of join the MTR Elizabeth Line team, which is um, 
the move I wanted to make for a while to kind of work on the other side of the industry, to go and work for a train operating company. Yeah. Um, and especially doing it at the moment as well with so much industry change coming along, um, going to work for a concession, which um, has kind of got a really uh, a fascinating model, which has worked really well in the Elizabeth line. I think it's kind of mm. looking at the way performance has been transformed on the parts of the network we currently look after is testament to kind of what this model can do when it's implemented in the right way. Mm. Um, and working very closely with our client RFL to get some great outcomes for passengers. So it's been a, I joined MTR EL um, during lockdown. So I'm um, in November, um, November 20. And right. so yeah, kind of coming up to my, kind of, well, yeah, nine months, 10 months in, into yeah. the role. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's fascinating as well because there's certain members of my team I haven't met in person yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the office, I'm in the yeah. office today and quite, I'm in the office quite a lot because um, it suits me. Um, but equally, um, we're kind of slowly moving into the hybrid way of working and some people are still kind of making the kind of transition and we're not rushing that, we're kind of taking it at people's own pace. But yeah, people I speak to on a daily basis, I've not actually met in person. So I'm no. kind of working through that. It's quite bizarre, isn't it? It's quite bizarre. So uh, before we, and I am really keen to understand what, what your role entails because I know you've said to yeah. me as well that you know whilst yes it's finance and business systems there's a lot more to it yeah. than, than that area yeah. but I want to just kind of take you back a little bit to the to the kind of right at the beginning when you you said you were a drummer you were a jobbing musician yeah. um yeah. you did that for five years and then you went and and went on the graduate scheme at Network Rail how does a drummer decide to go and work for Network Rail what was can you talk me through that thought process then what 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 was it that attracted you to the rail industry it's a great question um i've always had a passion for transport kind of as a kid liking cars but i guess um it's something about um i guess the engineering side of it um the fact that it kind of involves some really cool machinery both yeah. in the kind of operations and in the kind of kind of fixed track uh, and also the fact it impacts such a range of people's lives. Like it's a, it's a massive public good. The difference we can make to people's lives is kind of huge and profound. Um, and it's, it's it's really rewarding to be part of that. Um, I guess kind of pre-joining, I had an inkling that it would be a, a great place to go and work. But kind of having come here, it's, yeah, absolutely met its expectations. Right. It's also it's also been a growth industry the time I've been here as well. So a great place to join uh, and kind of see the kind of growth, development, investment um, some challenges now, but equally, I'm an absolute optimist about the kind of future for rail and the future for transport are kind of fundamental to our, our journey, journey to a low carbon economy. Yeah. Um, I think also some of the people involved in transport, I mean, people you kind of know already, kind of just interacting on a daily basis, kind of seeing their passion for this place and the way of working, um, yeah, really attracted me to the rail industry. I was already, I had a background kind of having done a degree in um, philosophy, economics, and a little bit of transport as part of that. So I had a kind of oh, okay. a bit of a background in kind of numerate world. Um, and I decided that I'd like to kind of get a finance qualification. It's a great foundation. And again, I'd recommend it to anybody, whether you want to be an accountant or not, uh, having a finance foundation just helps you in so many avenues later. I'm, I'm a SEMA qualified accountant. And I'm, again, I'd recommend it to anybody uh, as a great way of kind of getting those business fundamentals down. Yeah, it, it does. It gives you a great understanding, doesn't it, of, as you say, that the foundations, because ultimately, if you get that part of your business right, then it, yeah. it's really helpful <laughs> with the rest yeah. of it. So before I, before I kind of go on to, to the next part, give me give me an overview. What does a week in the life of, of Ben Millway look like at MTR Elizabeth Lounge? <laughs> So I'm, I'm really fortunate and I've got a, a very diverse role, which again kind of makes it kind of really satisfying. Um, and that diversity kind of helps keep very engaged, lots of new stuff coming. So I guess there's a core finance bit. So um, we're lucky in that we're a, I guess, a well sized twin operating company. So we can, and because we're part of quite a small group, so MTR in the UK hasn't got a huge entity, it means actually we keep a lot of functions actually in our business. So we've got a kind of standard financial accounting part of the organization, management accounting part of the organization, who um, kind of keep the finance fundamentals running and also kind of help the business make the best choices possible, kind of do the analysis to make them really help them understand how we're performing as an organization. I also look after audit um, and risk and business resilience. There's a great chance to then have that kind of check and balance, the ability to get involved in lots of different bits of the organization um, and kind of make sure we are delivering the best outcomes possible. I look after innovation. So 
innovation is absolutely in MTR's blood. I mean, it comes from our Hong Kong parent, but the kind of innovation process and investment innovation is really deeply embedded in our corporate culture. And um, we've got a fantastic team here kind of helping promote, drive, um, kind of put the right framework on innovation and make sure we deliver some brilliant outcomes. Um, I also look after the data and intelligence team. So it's quite a new part of the organization. Oh, yeah. We're bringing together our, uh, the reams of railway data and helping to turn that into kind of structured information and ultimately derive some great insight. Yeah. Um, I think lots of parts of the industry are quite guilty of underinvestment, and that's as much kind of part of the history of kind of how the how the industry has been through privatization. But there's tons more we can do in that space, and I've got a brilliant team looking at our, our reams of data and driving insight out of it. I look after procurement and kind of commercial arm too. Yeah. So that's post contract and pre contract. And again, we're quite um as a train operating company, we've done some big capital investment schemes. So we recently completed a twenty million pound piece of work at Liverpool Street Station on behalf of Rail for London. Again, quite unique in the train operating sphere. Um, and then yeah, it's kind of commercial support surrounding that to make sure we kind of work collaboratively to deliver some great outcomes. And that's been a great project. It's delivered on time, delivered under budget. Um, wow. in some really challenging circumstances yeah one we're really Amazing. proud of actually yeah i'm just kind of coming to the conclusion now yeah it's, the whole project. time is great ben but under budget flipping heck yeah i think there's a few no, gold no, stars need putting on the wall for that one and that's despite kind of we was, everything was set in place the budget was set pre-covid as well so we've had to kind of add in all the covid mitigations kind of extra staffing kind of extra time for doing certain some processes to make it COVID safe and we've still managed to bring it under budget. So yeah, really proud of the team who've delivered some great outcomes there. Um, and then finally, I look after IT and business systems. So kind of kind of quite a conventional IT department, kind of running the kind of core infrastructure, but also the business systems part where we do lots of innovation project work, um, looking at CCTV analytics systems and kind of smart poster boards on the wall, Lots yeah. of kind of IT innovation as well. There's so, yeah, some really exciting quite a breadth. stuff happening, in, isn't there, in that area? Some really oh, innovative absolutely. stuff. Yeah, I get fascinated because I am so far removed from being a technical person you could possibly get, um, and it scares me a bit. Um, and, but when I hear, when I'm talking to people and they're telling me about what's happening and how we're, mm. how we're kind of gathering information, how we're using technology to help us understand our customers better um just things like this um this this piece of kit that they've got i think it's at waterloo where they're tracking uh, from gps signals on people's phones i know london underground have been doing it for years mm. where they can see which which station people get on at where do they get off where do they go from there what route do they take it's absolutely yeah. blows my mind that we can we know this yeah. kind of stuff you know um really i find it really interesting Absolutely. And the way in which you can translate that to even better experiences for our customers, I think is, um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm very fortunate coming into a operating company where it's absolutely at our core is thinking about what next can we do to make our customers have an even better journey. Um, yeah. And yeah, the way in which the organization was set up, kind of bringing in kind of customer experience professionals from the outset, as opposed yeah. to just railway folk, I think has, yeah. Um, yeah, has had a great impact. Yeah, fantastic. One of the phrases that you've used quite a lot as we've gone through this discussion so far is this, well, there's this kind of a variation on, I've been very lucky, I've been very fortunate. Um, and I do think that luck exists, but I, I also think you make your own. And I think you have to have your antennae up to spot it. When there's an opportunity, then I think that you need to be kind of aware that it's there the next kind of what I'm really keen to understand Ben in relation to your career to date have there been some pivotal moments for you that um you you look back and say yeah that when that happened that changed things almost I don't know whether it might be a sliding door moment or you can look back and say yeah actually that was fundamental or when that happened or when I went into that role or when I got that opportunity what stands out for you? Yeah so uh, a real key formative moment for me was my first while working with a frontline team so working uh, in the use and delivery unit um, a chance to interact with frontline teams to understand their kind of challenges what makes their business tick um, 
And then also an initiative that David Higgins launched called The Big Picture, which was around having great safety culture conversation discussions with all the frontline teams. Right. And I, I was lucky to become one of the hosts of those conversations. So I did um, shifts at the whole organization, day shifts, night shifts, kind of meeting the teams kind of at their place of work, kind of half an hour before I started shift and having a really good conversation around safety about their perception of safety culture yeah. and the key things they wanted to change. Um, great learning curve for me, kind of finding out about how it really works at two in the morning in Watford when you're yeah. preparing for a shift of welders to go out, kind of what it really looks and feels like. Yeah. Um, but a great chance to kind of take some of those stories, some of those feelings um, and feed that back to the centre mm. and then see that kind of go round and, and ultimately kind of come to fruition in terms of safe work leader and not the changes they're making in terms of how frontline teams operating and moving red zone. So taking a long time to get there, but some of those changes are really kind of starting to flow through the organisation. Yeah. But for me, having those safety conversations was yeah, a really formative moment and gave me yeah. a real appreciation of how the organisation worked. Yeah, and not something I would imagine that when you started on your graduate scheme in the finance function that was ever on the list of things you thought you'd be doing. But to then have that experience and the front line, I think, I mean, I'm interested to know, I guess, was was this a plan? You know, was, it a, was there a plan to, behind this? Because what you've done is actually, you know, kind of if somebody was going to say, have a career plan, start in the centre, learn about the infrastructure, as you've done, you've, you've focused on a particular function, but you've been able to stretch outside of that to see um, kind of, in your words, where the money goes. And I love that. So it's kind of don't, don't work in isolation and, and, you know, count your beans or move your beans over on what must be an enormous abacus at Network Rail. Um, so it's, it's about so much more than that. But then you've taken that, you've gone into capital projects to look at really big stuff and kind of look at it on a, on a UK-wide basis, and then into those kind of the, the operational side. So you've, you've really kind of been everywhere, Ben, haven't you? Was it a, I've been, was it yeah. It's, 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 it's been a great journey. There was never really a plan, but I've always, let, I've always been a curious person, and that, I've always let that curiosity kind of guide me a bit. So when I feel like I've learned and a part of the organisation and kind of understand it well, kind of moving on to the next bit to kind of really understand it, meet the people, kind of understand how it ticks. Mm. Um, kind of saying yes a lot, I think has always served right. me well, is saying yes whenever I can, because you just get a chance to learn something new, um, to, to meet some new people or to develop yourself. Yeah, I love that. So moving on to the industry at large, and you, you alluded, yeah. alluded to it earlier, we are going through um, some change and transformation, I think it's fair to say, um, mm. which which was on the cards anyway, but the experience of, of the pandemic has just accelerated things quite significantly, obviously. Um, this is the bit in, in our conversation where I get my magic wand out. And I say, so So Ben, looking at the industry, what, what do you think are the opportunities that we've got ahead of us? And if you were in charge, if you were in that position where you could say, this is what needs to change, what would your three wishes be for the things that, that would change and, and in what way? Brilliant. Thanks, Nina. Um, so one of, the, one of the kind of key opportunities, I think, is to really build the kind of customer centricity into the railway. I think, oh, I think, Lots of really kind of competent, kind of well-intentioned people doing a great job. It doesn't always come together in a great outcome for our customers and our passengers. Yeah. And actually, I think we can design the kind of industry constructs better to help get great passenger outcomes, great customer outcomes. And I use those ter both those terms because I do think there's a difference. And I think we need to kind of recognise the difference and work on both elements. Yeah. And customers have more choice maybe than passengers, but making sure we're really focused on, on getting the best outcomes for us, for, for them. I think there's a piece around devolution um, that kind of work's been done, but there's so much more that can happen to kind of really empower local teams, really empower lo the organisations, kind of design them in a way in which they can respond to local communities, mm -hmm. um, they can reflect local communities um, and help that drive some of their decision making. And ultimately, I guess we'll all um, recognise the kind of regulatory framework in which we've worked, in which my, most of my career has been in, it's yeah. a bit bonkers yeah. and it, it, it's, it's ripe <laughs> for a transformation and um, 
and kind of bringing into a yeah into a space where it gets better outcomes where it's simpler where it's more intuitive um and which which ultimately yeah helps us deliver for our customers so if i have three wishes i guess coming to work for a train operating company yeah. it's brilliant seeing that the same passion the same great people are on the train operating side as on the network rail side yeah. there's still these silos which are kind of being created by the industry construct i think there's lots we can do to break down those silos to get more cross fertilization between network rail train operating companies rdg all the private sector firms that are involved yeah. and make sure we see the industry holistically yeah. um, and help people have careers across the industry holistically and not get uh, caught and tr- kind of yeah held captive in one, one, one element of it so I think the first thing is kind of breaking silos down. I think secondly, diversity. Again, MTRs and loads of work to kind of create a diverse workforce, be really effective of the communities we serve. Um, we're kind of really proud of the fact that almost a quarter of our organization are women, um, mm. but it's not 50%. There's still so much more to do. Yeah. And I think um, as an industry, there's more we can do to kind of really reflect the communities we serve, to kind of push diversity, to kind of, yeah ensure we we change some of the culture which can sometimes hark back to kind of putting a cape on heroes as opposed to kind of yeah a more progressive culture which is around being really well planned and organized mm-hmm. i think that uh, um you know in terms of that whole um agenda that whole topic i think as an industry um my view my personal view having been working with with um the rail industry for nine years now I think that the intent is good. And I think that the awareness of the task ahead has improved significantly. So this, you know, in the job I do uh, as a headhunter, we are, this, it's on the agenda automatically now when we're looking at an assignment, we're talking about where the right candidates might come from, what the shortlist might look like. That was not happening. That was not happening three years ago. Never, you know it's so this is this is a change so I think there's more awareness and I think that the intention is good um but I do think that we need to see more happening in terms of the actual delivery of that intention uh, which I think is I think we're on the same sheet there and that's certainly not come you know that's across industry that's not one, one organization I think that's across the industry there's work to be done there's work being done but yeah. there's quite a lot to do Absolutely. We, we had a great debate on it across our exec team, our strategic way there last week. Um, and the piece around how do you, because ultimately kind of, for me, one of the key elements is kind of growing your own, kind of making sure your your kind of people coming into your apprenticeship, apprenticeship schemes, coming into your organisation, reflect that diversity, because that way you get the best opportunity to have that diversity at high levels. Absolutely. Yeah, lots of, lots of work yeah, for us to do. What's going on? And the last thing I'd really focus on is kind of bringing back even more of the pride in the industry i think it has come a long way but ultimately um i think there's more we can do to get people to be really proud to say they work in the railway i think it, i guess some of the media perception the fact that we haven't got an infrastructure that delivers 99 percent of the time it delivers 88 percent of the time that creates uh, um yeah a level of content and, it, and it's for our people who are doing the utmost to make sure they deliver the best outcomes mm. so it's how do we kind of really promote that prior being a right person and all the good we do as an industry yeah yeah i i can definitely uh, see where you're coming from on that and so one of one of my soapbox topics is how do we um, attract people to the railway how do we get people to consider the rail industry as a career because uh, you know at the at the the milk rounds then are people be are, are they are they going towards you know, somebody who yeah. perhaps from Network Rail or Rail Delivery Group, whoever's whoever's been represented, individual train operating companies, um, or are they being attracted more by the, the the sexier industries, shall we say? And it's but it, we just don't talk about ourselves enough, Ben. We don't talk about the exciting stuff that's happening because there are so many different opportunities to do massive, massive, innovative change and transformation. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, I, I probably need one of the one of your drums from, you know, from, from years ago. I need to bang a drum somewhere. I feel like we need to get people aware of these different opportunities that there are to work in, in rail. Absolutely. And I'm really hopeful that GBR, kind of by bringing the industry a bit closer together, 
helps even better explain that range of opportunity you get from kind of massive engineering, capital projects, customer focus, operations. You kind of get can have the whole range in one career if you come here. So I'm really Absolutely hopeful that kind of yeah. helps their message. Yeah, let's hope so. I know that the department have got a team of people looking at skills um, in terms of what the new railway will need and where we're going to get them from. So um, so that's I'm quite hopeful on that. I'm an optimist by heart. So just coming to the end of our conversation, and I could I could carry on talking to you for ages because I think you've got a really interesting story. Um, we've got some quick fire questions to finish off um, our conversation. Yeah. The first one is... Who is inspiring you? If you look at, and I'm, I'm thinking in terms of leadership here, Ben, so whether that's a thought leadership, a business leader, somebody else, who who's inspiring in terms of leadership? Uh, yeah. The context is I've got a young family and I, 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 yeah, huge opportunities for them. But I guess the one kind of real challenge is the climate emergency, the climate challenge. And I've just the work that Bill Gates is doing um, he wrote a book on how to avoid a climate emergency. Um, it's, it's a great read. And he kind of breaks it down into science and facts, which is great as well. Kind of gets past some of the, kind of, uh, yeah, it gets the narrative to be really clear about what we need to do as a society to resolve this. And it is yeah. resolvable. So you're yeah, really inspired by the work Bill Gates does and is doing to help yeah. move that climate agenda forward. Okay, doke. That's interesting. That's, um, I've, I've been having a few conversations around, around this particular uh, quick fire question. And it's really interesting for me how many people are talking about leaders who are focused on the climate emergency. So, and this is new. This is the, this is a new development. Um, in terms of, of a specific business, I think this is a harder question personally, but um, yeah. is there a business that you are aware of that is doing things differently or, um, you know, looks, looks interesting or inspiring in, in any particular way? Yes. So the one that comes to mind actually is um it's a, it's a funny business but I'm not sure if you ever bought a TV um, but there's a company um who sell TVs called Richard Sounds and actually oh, yeah. you thought why is a TV sales business um kind of doing the industry but actually if you look into it the stuff that the uh, the CEO's done in terms of he's moved the company so he's committed to having it be completely staff owned by the time he departs but it's currently sixty percent staff owned he has this absolute focus on his staff about their engagement, they're enjoying their work, about kind of being fair, honest, operating with integrity, just having, bringing that sort of culture to an industry which kind of fast moving consumer goods, you wouldn't necessarily expect it. You usually think yeah. it'd be pushy salespeople and then pushing for kind of yeah. Yeah. Um, warranties and the rest. And actually it's completely not that. And um, I've only bought one TV ever. And I went to it right. sounds, I had this amazing experience and that prompted me to right. find out well, how come this company are doing this in such a different way and it really is yeah, quite amazing the way that yeah julian Mitchell has kind of transformed that organization yes yeah he's written a book hasn't he i'm sure you've i'm sure you're aware of that i remember reading the book i'm not ready actually i did uh, yeah richer sounds is it oh, um, to, yeah yeah it's a good one it is it's really interesting fine. and it will be interesting to see as well because obviously that market is completely changing so i remember i mean god i remember my parents used to um used to rent our telly from from oh, yeah. Rumbelows, there was a company called Rumbelows on the high street. They used to rent it. They didn't even buy it, you know, because there was always something going wrong with it. So you would like they'd, they'd come and replace it or tweak it or whatever. Um, but but we don't buy. It's like you said, you bought one telly, and it's kind of well, we, we don't. It's not it's not something that, especially now, where my daughter watches everything on a laptop. So, you know, she watches her films, etc. It'll be really interesting to see how he, we use a tr one of the trendy words, how he pivots, you know, in terms yeah. of what his market is going to be doing in the future. That'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, Absolutely. We've, we've both met, you've mentioned a Bill Gates book. I've mentioned Julian Richards' book. But, one, but my final question for you was, is there a book we all should read? In your view, is there one book that you can think, actually, yeah, I think everyone should read that? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I mentioned I've got a young family. Um, the, the kids are five, three, and one. So my reading ability has diminished greatly <laughs> over the course of last years. I used to be quite a passionate reader, as now it's kind of few and far between. Um, but I guess in a business context, the one I frequently come back to is um, is Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And um, I first read it maybe five years ago. Um, but just again, it's all about themes that really appeal to me about getting the best from your team about kind of having a really good team dynamic yeah. um, and it's got practical tools and I always think yeah 
books that give you kind of practical things you can do, questions you can ask, ways which you can frame questions. Um, I've always found the most useful ones. So that's one that kind of always comes to mind. Well, you're in good company because it's on the shelf behind me. And the reason that it's on the shelf behind me is because Andrew Hayes recommended it. So you're in good company there, Ben. So, uh, and I agree, it's a great book and there's some really, there's some good practical stuff in there. Um, That brings our conversation to a close. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I think that your career story is just, is so brilliant to listen to, Ben. And you are like, you're like a, a poster boy for Network Rail and for MTR because the jobs that you're doing have been so varied. You've got loads of experience. It's almost making me think back to some of the, some of my friends in the industry who have been through, who went through the BR graduate scheme and that mm-hmm. where you got to do something of everything. And you've really, you've been around, you've picked it all up. And, and you're clearly enjoying what you do as well. That really comes across, that you really enjoy your job and being part of the industry. So um, I know that our audience will enjoy listening um, and your enthusiasm and your energy are very much appreciated. Thank you for making the time to join me on the podcast. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Nina, for your time. I really appreciate it. My huge thanks to Ben Milway, Finance and Business Systems Director from MTR Elizabeth Line for joining me on today's episode of Intuitive Insights.
My huge thanks to Alex Hines, Managing Director of Scotland Railway, for sharing so openly his thoughts in relation to the UK transport sector and also his experiences and career to date. I loved every minute.